0: This is the Battleborn Preps Podcast.
1: Okay, whoa. Look, they can never keep me down. I'm going, and if I ever fell the snow, I'll go again. I never quit because I know that every loss may lead to another win. I'm going up. I bet when I land they're gonna tell me it's luck again. See that I'm winning, it's harder to watch. This
0: is the Battleborn Preps Podcast. I am your host, Michael Reeves. Super excited for today's podcast. We have three guests on today. First guest is going to be the PA announcer for the Damani Ranch Mustangs, Lynn Alt. He's going to break down a variety of things um, all the way from what Damani Ranch is like currently and compared to years past. He's going to break down uh, some of the games we have for us. Lynn has contributed a ton of articles to Battleborne Preps. And if you see our website, he is writing majority of the content because we are always looking for interns and writers. So if you're ever interested, please tweet at us at Preps or send us an email at info at bbpreps.com we would love for students staff anyone that's interested in writing about their school we would love to get more helpers to potentially just contribute information that'll help get out to the parents kids players everybody so he is going to come onto the podcast. We're going to do a quick interview. But before we get into that interview, we have two other guests as well. We're going to have Armand Bajois talk as well to us, the quarterback of the Reed Raiders, who had an exceptional week last week. And then we're going to talk to the head coach, Garrett Hughes, of the Reed Raiders, as we were able to catch up with them at practice yesterday. Truly great interviews all throughout the podcast. But a quick recap on last week. The advancing teams. We got Damani Ranch taking on Bishop and Oak. So a rematch of a couple of weeks ago. Um, the Mustangs and the Miners should be a terrific game. And then we have an awesome matchup where the Reed Raiders, who won a awesome game against the Spanish Spring Cougars, It was a real battle, grind-it-out type of game, which we're going to hear from those two interviewees on just what they had to do to get the W. It is a great matchup. They're taking on the McQueen Lancers, which it was a good time the first time they both played each other. We can expect more of that coming up this time. But without further ado, let's get into that interview with public address announcer lynn alt hello everybody i am here with the pa announcer for the demani ranch mustangs the voice of the mustangs rather lynn alt uh lynn thank you so much for joining us
1: oh michael thank you so much for the opportunity man this is exciting
0: well, the reason I wanted you on is because we have an awesome, awesome game coming up this week. Uh, the Demonte Ranch Mustangs are going to go to Bishop Minogue, and they're going to be uh, playing the Miners one more time because they played a couple of weeks ago, and it was in the Miners' favor. But I just kind of wanted to get some uh, some background from the Mustangs, um, as you're the go-to guy for anything, Demonte Ranch football, and uh, just kind of get an overview of what you're thinking uh, this game. So. First of all, um, I just kind of want to ask you what are your thoughts overall going into this game and uh, DeMonte Ranch's players, and just what what should uh, people that don't know a ton about the Mustangs be looking out for?
1: Mike, that's a great question. I think that for four years, people really got a different look at the Mustangs when Cade McNamara was the quarterback, and you know they were putting up to use like a Peyton Manning type phrase the. The, the space race numbers, you know, scoring 40, 50, 60 points and uh, winning a lot of lopsided games. But uh, if you study Sean Dupree's coaching style, man, he really loves to run the ball. And so if you look at the time before Cade and you look at the time after Cade, there's a lot of ball running. And like, Mike, I know that you're familiar with some of the great running backs that Demonte Ranch has had, like say a Drew Smith who was very instrumental in that first Northern championship appearance game that coach Dupree had. So I think the first thing you really got to look at is the run game for the Mustangs.
0: Definitely. And uh, the Mustangs have a lot of good running talent uh, every single year, but this year um, you really look at that matchup against Minogue. They had a, they had a matchup against um, or they had players like Mason Reisner Um, they also had Cameron Rodriguez and then Cooper Anderson, uh, got some rushes as well. So, um, it's interesting. You've got some good runners as they always have, but then, uh, you throw Anderson into the mix and have that dual threat there.
1: Yeah. And as the season has progressed, Cooper has gotten much more confident in that aspect of his game. And actually last week against the Huskies in that first round playoff game at Damani, Cooper had a really good night with using his legs. He was the third third leading rusher. Reminded me of some of that, some of those Ethan Culpin runs that we grew accustomed to the last two years.
0: Definitely. Now um, we'll kind of shift gears here. If you're Sean Dupree and I, you know nobody can get into the head of Sean Dupree quite like Sean does. But if you're Sean Dupree and you're heading into this game, you came off of that loss against Minogue the last time you went to the Miners uh, stadium. What is your message to the guys and uh, how do you, how do you best convey what you want to convey to get a win this time?
1: Well, as you said, there's, there's no way any of us will know what Ernie Howren's going to say to his team or what coach Depree's going to say to his team. But if I were in coach Dupree's shoes, I would definitely preach, the team motto fast and mean. And they got to be more physical this time out. In that second half of that game a couple weeks ago at Bishop Minogue, Bishop Minogue's offensive line absolutely asserted itself in the second half. And that gave Joe Hill a tremendous opportunity to showcase his talents and abilities. And so they're going to have to shut down that run game. Well, maybe shut down is too strong a phrase. They're going to, have to disrupt the Bishop Benogue run game if they want to be successful in this contest.
0: Definitely. Uh, the Mustangs had some mistakes there in the second half, but um, a real big part of that game was the Miners um, rushing attack in Joe Hill. Um, from what you've seen out of Demonte Ranch's defense, how do you stop a running back like that?
1: Well, I think what you have to do, you have to really create a rugby scrum at the point of attack. I don't think that they're going to be able to get into the backfield on a regular basis and disrupt things from there. So you create that just big mess right at the offensive line. You don't let those Bishop Minogue get to the second level. So if Damani's defensive line can create that mess and Joe doesn't have holes to make to get through that gives those linebackers an opportunity to make plays
0: now you have been around the damani ranch program for quite a while um i would i would venture to say you're one of the most connected people to the high school um spanning the last all the way till from when it opened all the way to now um having a wife that teaches there uh, Announcing there and then how, obviously having two kids that went there and I graduated myself I know how Damani Ranch was, but I also graduated a while back now. So things have changed What is your favorite thing that you've seen out of Sean Dupree over the years that you've seen the program change and grow into what it is today?
1: Well, Mike, let me first respond by saying it's an honor and a privilege to be invited to be a part of the Domani Ranch community. It's really a family. I would credit Denise Hausauer, the uh, principal that was there before uh, Principal Bell, for creating a family atmosphere. And it really is a special place, as you would know. With regard to Coach Dupree, you know, I really am proud of the fact that he is a advocate for his players. You know, he tells stories. My son played was in the program for four years. And so I'm not telling any tales out of school here. He's told this uh, to the parents meeting at the start of the school year or the start of the season uh, story of hearing about a party that some of the boys were going to attend uh, a early in the career. First couple of years there at Damani. And he didn't want any of his uh, players to get in trouble. And so he went to the party and he parked right in front of the house. And he said, I didn't get out of the car. I didn't do I didn't go inside. I just sat there right where they could see me. And I would see cars drive up, see I was sitting there, and then they would just drive away. You know, and I think that he really genuinely loves and cares for his players. And that's also reflected in their grades. You know, Damani's won a couple academic state championships for football. He prides himself in creating a program where these guys, you know, they're classy on the, supposed to be classy on the field, classy in the classroom, off the field, everywhere they go.
0: Definitely, and one thing, um, being affiliated with Damani Ranch, but also doing Battleborn preps, also um, doing things with Friday Night Rivals, um, the one thing I hear consistently across the board that is a big question mark I hear from a lot of people, but it's never really um, been a problem for Coach Dupree, but he carries, I would just venture to say, I don't have the actual statistics, but he carries probably the least amount of players on his roster every single year. It's it, it, if we want to go back to the beginning of his tenure, I would be shocked if there was a team that had less players on the roster than he does. A lot of people would say that's an issue because you don't have the depth in case of injuries, especially now, something we're seeing in collegiate and professional where you can have COVID scares. Um, what, what, is that thought and that mentality. I don't know if you've had a chance to ever talk to coach Dupree about having less players on the roster and overcoming some of those obstacles.
1: You know, Mike, that's a great question. And it's interesting because I I do announce the freshman and junior varsity games on Thursdays. And so I see the teams who come to play Damani, you know, and it's interesting, like the teams who show up with say 40, 50 freshman players, And you're just amazed that they're able to get those numbers. But then there are other schools that they're struggling to get the numbers with the freshman kids and the junior varsity kids and the varsity kids. And it's almost across the board. And so it's a really complicated topic. You have to look at the SYFL or Pop Warner numbers as well. I think the abundance of opportunities athletically for kids these days is definitely having an impact on football. The concussion issue has been an issue. I think we have lost players. You know, moms and dads have been a little leery of letting their kids play uh, tackle football. And then I think that the, the programs in the North that have been very successful, they may struggle sometimes to get numbers because other kids may look at that and say, wow, do I really want to do this year round? Because just like in any other sport these days, you really do have to commit yourself to it pretty much year round. You know, so you look at like a Bishop Minogue, you look at Reed, Spanish Springs, Damani, these are programs that they're they're doing 7 on 7, they're doing conditioning, they're doing stuff early in the summer, all summer, fall of course. So that's a really big commitment. I think sometimes the kids who are less committed, you know, eh, that's a little much. I don't think I'm going to do that.
0: there are some obstacles obviously uh with football and things that you're seeing with those numbers decreasing. So it's understandable. But uh getting back into our pick our playoff picture here um we've got four teams left we've got mcqueen we've got reed we've got damani ranch and we've got bishop minogue um two great games it, they're going to be absolutely excellent uh but putting on the stepping back 100 feet and just looking at all all four teams and the matchups. I know you're very well connected, not just on the PA announcer side, but you're also also a youth pastor in the area and you have connections to other youth pastors at these other schools, other coaches at these other schools. Um, Obviously you see these players at functions that you attend. Kind of give us the Lin Alt breakdown of what you're seeing this week in Friday night football, because we have two absolutely incredible
1: games. Oh, man, you're really putting me on the spot here, Michael. All right, so, I mean, that other matchup with the Lancers hosting the Raiders, you know, the the Raiders had the halftime lead when those two teams played. And I think the biggest difference in those two teams, where's number 26, Mr. Ashton Hayes? I mean, we haven't seen a guy that electric here in the north play running back Oof, I don't know. Do you know when's the last time we had someone like that, Michael? I would have to,
0: I mean, you've got Trey Bussies of the world, Elijah, Tautoliver, not to Trey's level. I, uh, you had, um, you had drew Smith for Damani ranch. You, you've had some good running backs. Uh, obviously in Carson, you've had, uh, oh, a lot of Ace brothers. Carter. Yeah. Abel Carter, yeah. All the brothers down there. Uh, you've had some good running backs here in the North in the past, uh, 10 years. And, uh, Definitely, I would say Ashton Hayes is among those, the former well, Mustang, may I add.
1: I mean, he's a threat to go the distance. Every single time he touches the ball. One of the things I love about Ashton is he sets up moves. So he, he you know, first quarter, second quarter, he, he, he's hitting plays a certain way. And instead of cutting it a certain way, he'll play it safe, he'll play it safe. And then in the third, fourth quarter, you see him change that. And he'll cut something to the inside or the outside. He'll take a different approach to a play, and all of a sudden the defenders are just left, you know, tackling air. I mean, this—he is phenomenal. So that matchup between the Lancers and Reed, I think it's going to come down to the final quarter, and I wouldn't be shocked to, to see Ashton be the difference in that game. But having, yeah, having said that, man, I mean, if the if the Raiders were able to keep it close, Armand Bajwa.
0: I am so excited. Uh, we may have an opportunity to talk to him here later in the podcast, but uh, Armand Bajwa is uh, really doing well. Actually, uh, oh. their quarterbacks coach, you may remember him, Cam Emerson, the former quarterback at yeah. Reed. Oh, uh, was he was great. He actually is uh, working on getting his teaching credential this next year and uh, graduating and uh He's a freshman head football coach. He's he speaks so highly about Bajwa. It's not even funny. And then uh, also get the opportunity to talk to coach Hughes. But going back to that McQueen side, you not only have the dynamics um, running back in Ashton Hayes, but you also have an uber dynamic quarterback Mm. when it comes to Robbie Snelling. And I don't even like calling him a. A quarterback in the aspect of yes he can throw the ball he's a phenomenal quarterback but he almost has this linebacker mentality when he decides to scramble he encourages contact and has no problem if he's got to get six yards he will lower his head at the five yard mark and get those extra few yards to make sure he gets that marker moving
1: absolutely i mean i mentioned ethan culpin earlier very reminiscent of ethan culpin you know you got to gang tackle a guy like that if you try to arm tackle Robbie Snelling, it's not gonna work. You better have your uh, you better brought your lunch and be ready to do your work if you're gonna try to tackle Robbie. he's gonna make you pay
0: and then I switched to the other matchup uh, because I know I know where your allegiances lie, but if let's put on Linalt the youth pastor, the community leader, the I'm in support of as many people as I can be. Hat, what what excites you? Let's let's pretend Monty Ranch isn't in this matchup, and you're rooting for Bishop Minogue. What excites you about what the Miners are offering in this matchup?
1: Well, first of all, I would congratulate a a a man who's become a friend, Ernie Howren. Over the last few years, he and I have developed a a friendship. I'd be super excited for Ernie to take on uh, Snelling and the Lancers or the Raiders either way, but uh, I'd be excited for him. And then I think the matchup, you know what? you know it's exciting to see how Ernie takes a team that early in the season, if you're going to give him a grade through like, say, A, B, C, D F, maybe early in the season they're playing B minus. But come playoff time. He's got them playing A. Every single game. And it never ceases to amaze me how far he takes those players, those that team every year. And so it'd be exciting to see how far he could take them this year.
0: Definitely. And and one question I had for Ernie last week in our podcast was how he coached uh Logan. And he had an interesting answer. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to listen, but uh he was talking about how he coached his daughters like they were 18 year old senior football players when they were eight year olds in softball. And he said that was the key to teaching him on how to coach Logan. Now you were not a coach, but you did have a son in the Demonte ranch program. And I, what is it, what is, just speak to some of the parents and kids out there on just that dynamic of having your kid play and just sitting there, whether it's the sidelines or the stands or the press box, how, how do you just handle what you really can't control?
1: (laughs) Well, okay. That's a great question. So as a dad, as somebody who played, I think I was able to, I am able to handle that better than my wife did. You know, we would be sitting at the games, whether it's SYFL, freshman level, junior varsity, varsity, and you know, there'd be a bang bang play, there'd be a big pile, and our son Aiden, number seventy-seven, would be in the middle of it, and I I would see the tension rise. Sometimes she would reach out and she would put her hand on my leg and she would squeeze until she saw him get up and make her you know make his way safely back to the line of scrimmage. So I think I was able to handle it a little better than she did. You know, if you play the game, you'll understand that it's, it's something you can't control. You just have to let it go, and you have to let them experience it on the field. I also take great comfort from the fact that I know that the coaches have these young men, these young women, their best interests at heart as well. And so, like, I've literally seen coaches hold players out of situations because they know that they're not ready for it. Maybe putting a, a junior on junior varsity – because they know, hey, this guy, this girl, she's not going to be ready to play the varsity level yet. And so knowing that the coaches, the officials, these, they have their best interests at heart. They're doing everything they can to keep the players safe. The equipment is being checked on a regular basis. you got a trainer on the sideline. I think most schools at this point have a doctor or an orthopedist on the sideline during games. So it really is a pretty safe bubble within which a competitive and physical sport is being played.
0: Definitely. Well, um, I've got a couple last questions for you. This one's a little bit more broad. Um, as I kind of established earlier in the podcast, you you have seen DeMonte Ranch from truly beginning to now. Um, what would you say, from a DeMonte Ranch perspective, have been some of the biggest changes? Obviously, the football program has changed drastically from Coach A. Um, all the way to now, Sean Dupree. I mean, what are what are some of the changes you're not only seeing in the sport of football, but athletics as a whole? Because I know you're you're not just announcing football; you're announcing a plethora of sports. And uh, DeMonte Ranch is near and dear to your heart. So, uh, any anything that you can just see in the community in football in uh, redistricting of kids coming in, just anything you want to offer up, because we know that times are changing and people think Demonte Ranch 10 years ago, it's not the same as it is today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, my wife and I moved here in 2004 with our two kids and her first year she taught at O'Brien Middle School and it wasn't the best experience. She was a high school teacher in Colorado in in the Denver metro area. And so she wanted to get back to the high school and Demonte had an opening after that first year. She was overjoyed to join the staff. One of the guys, was somebody who'd been her middle school teacher, Dan Carter, was on staff at Damani. And so it was really a cool opportunity for her to be on staff with somebody that meant the world to her as a middle school math student. Then she became the head of the math department. And in those days, you know, Mike, Damani was a really different school. There was seventh and eighth graders in part of the school. The total population, I think, probably was 1,300 or maybe even less. It was a pretty small school. And athletically, they, they, they didn't have a lot of success. You know, the volleyball program was pretty good. The track team did win a state title early on. Bumper had the wrestling program going pretty pretty well. But, you know, football was tough. And I remember going to a game, I think it was my wife's first or second year there at Damani. There couldn't have been more than a couple hundred people in the stands. I think the Blue Hole may have had a couple dozen kids. There was a winless season in there. It was not a good scene. But then, uh, you know, Coach Dupree came on and he was able to really change the atmosphere and change the tone, the tenor, give the, the program a real character. And then, wow, you know, the band came on board and uh, a name that Damani Band people remember, Schifferdecker, really built a championship band program, which Miss Blonick is now continuing on. And then, you know, Ann Panyi had a great cheer program in place and she retired And man, Crystal Evans came in and she has done a phenomenal job as the cheer coach. They have a couple USA national cheer championships under their belts to their credit. And so a Friday night on the state in the stadium at Demani Ranch, you got a football team that's going to be competitive every single night. You have a band that is one of the best in the state, a cheer team that's one of the best in the, in the country. And the stands are just crowded. You've got alumni and parents Got a huge student section. I'll give Diego Ochoa a shout-out. He's doing a great job as Spirit King this year. And, Michael, you will be happy to know the Spirit Baby has returned. Well, that
0: is good because uh, I can tell a lot of people that, uh, you know, everybody talks about leaving their mark on a school. Well, uh, nobody left it greater than uh, me putting dents into the bleachers there at Damani Ranch. Uh, I actually take a little pride walking by those every time I do. But –
1: Every time I, I will, walk by there, I see those little dents and I think about you, buddy.
0: Uh, we, we, we got a little rowdy, um, but I want, you're giving good shout outs to uh, some people off the field. Let's get back on the field. I'm going to ask you three people, offense, defense, special teams, give me one from each that doesn't always get shouted out. And then. The next follow-up question, give me three that does get shouted out quite a bit and how
1: they're going to be game changers. Okay, that's a challenging one. Three who don't get shout-outs, and you're talking to Money Ranch Football, obviously. Mm -hmm. Okay, so on the defensive side, you know, let's go with Drew Vargas. Drew's famous Mm -hmm. for, you know, he he does really well on the offensive side. But on that defensive side, he and... um, Christian Icaboni both at the corner positions are just doing a fantastic job. And actually my son, he, he's my spotter on Friday nights for the home games. You know, he was telling me, man, dad, I just love watching Christian Icaboni and Drew both play. They, they, they play really well and it's a great tandem. So Drew and Christian both doing a great job there on the defensive side of the ball. Special teams, you got to go with Joe Brown, the kicker. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of love for kickers, especially at the high school level. But Joe's had a great year. He had one game where I, you know, Damani scored uh, seven or eight touchdowns, and I think he only missed one PAT. He's got a good leg. Uh, he's doing great on the kickoffs. Sticks his nose in there. He's a linebacker running back type. He loves the, uh, the, the competition. He loves the physicality of the game. So and yeah, knowing, Joe for special teams. Yeah.
0: And knowing you, uh, I, I have a feeling your offensive not spoken about
1: talent is going to be a lineman somewhere. Oof. You know, lineman, Jordan Francisco is one of the leaders on that offensive line. Ben Larson has had a great season. Uh, Henry Bonk, love saying that name. But uh, you know, I, I'm going to go with Cade Rodhofer. Cade's oh, a tight end, and we had Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We do a little thing on, uh, after practice once a week with the bull- with a team. And uh, Virgil Green came yesterday, Denver Bronco, University of Nevada, Wolfpack, great. And uh, when I introduced him to Cade, he asked him, what position do you play? Cade said, tight end. And Virgil's eyes lit up, he got really excited to meet him. You know, Cade loves playing. He's an old-school type. He loves blocking. He loves getting his nose in there and just pushing guys around and the physicality of the game. But he also runs great routes, and he has really soft hands. He's got good hands. I like to say he might have the best hands on the team, but then that starts an argument with people, so I won't say that.
0: Gotcha. And then we got three people, and I don't care if we're going to talk offense, defense, special teams, but three players that are going to make this loss that was at Bishop and Oak turn into a win this time around.
1: Boy, well, I would like to see Ilex Garcia offensive and defensive line really have a good game. You know, he's going to have to get in there, both the offensive line and defensive line for the Mustangs. They're going to have to compete. They're really going to have to uh, step up and raise their game against the minors. And so Ilex, he's a senior. He was all conference last year. He was on the all North team last year. He's been to state for wrestling for you know uh, freshman year, sophomore year. He didn't get to wrestle last year because of COVID. Unfortunately, So he's definitely a guy that is going to have to have a good game for the Mustangs Friday night. Mason Reesner, senior running back, also a linebacker. Mason is a fantastic young man, a great athlete, Uh, surprising speed. You know, I think people are surprised by him sometimes Cameron, you mentioned Cameron Rodriguez earlier, Michael, you know, he's, he's, he's the more shifty type reminiscent of a Cameron Sandoval or even a Drew Smith to a degree, lesser degree. But, uh, You know, uh, Mason has some speed, and he can set moves up. He's really shifty. He's gonna have a good night for the Mustangs. And then, man, Cooper Anderson, quarterback, gotta have a good night from the quarterback. Definitely, definitely
0: a good matchup. Well, we'll close out with this. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Let's. We got both games, and I know where you're probably going pick wise on one, but give me predictions and scores on both, and why.
1: Oh, and scores. Okay, Mike, you really putting me on the spot here. Man, I think it's going to be a close one. If you study the recent history of Sean Dupree versus Ernie Howran, the Mustangs have gotten that regular season game, and then Bishop Minogue, Ernie Howran's gotten that postseason game. I think the, the script gets flipped this year. Bishop Minogue got that regular season game. I think that the, uh, the coaches, the team at Damani – I think they're able to come up with some wrinkles, some things that the uh, miners just aren't ready for. I think they win a close one. Let's go 23-21 Mustangs. Oh, that's, that's putting a little
0: pressure on the kicker there.
1: That is. That is. And Bishop Minogue's got a great kicker too, by the way. I loved watching that kid kick a couple weeks ago. Especially, and then on that other side, what's that? Sorry, I
0: didn't mean to cut you off there, but I was going to say especially in the wind like we saw in that last game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was told. Do you remember his name, Michael? Um, let me pull it up here. I apologize. Well, Mike pulls that up, you know, I was watching the game. I was on the sideline. I was talking to the uh, the chains crew for the miners. Uh, some really neat guys. Uh, one of them was a, one of the scolari guys, and they were telling me they've seen him hit warm up kicks from fifty yards out. Uh,
0: Benedict.
1: Yeah, that's so, That's right.
0: Jace Benedict.
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think Joe Brown, Joe Brown will be the difference for the Mustangs getting that, that three points uh, Friday night. And then on that other side, oof, I, I got to go, even though I'm a proud backer of the Mustangs, I'm a graduate of Robert McQueen High School, and I am a proud Lancer alumnus. I'm going to go Lancers 35, Raiders 28. Gotcha. Well,
0: it looks like we're going to have a couple of good games. Lynn, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, I want to say thank you, Mike. Thank you to you. Thank you to uh, Battleborne Preps. Man, you guys are doing a great job. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve and to, you know, shine a spotlight on Domani Ranch Athletics a little bit now and then. And it's really cool. The kids appreciate it. The families appreciate it. The schools appreciate everything Battleborn Preps does.
0: Absolutely. And uh, if if you guys are listening, uh, Lynn writes some pretty awesome articles covering the Mustangs after every game. So he is. uh, There's nobody more checked in when it comes to the Mustangs and uh, what's going on. And I I always appreciate the time and I always appreciate how on it you are with
1: everything. So uh, without further ado, we're going to try to get. Hey, let's just let's, let's tease. We got winter sports coming up for the first time since twenty nineteen.
0: That's true. That is true. We a lot of uh, a lot of sophomores now uh, getting a senior season that uh, skipped the junior year. You've got uh, freshmen that are just jumping up to varsity in some cases. Um, I know that we're actually writing a feature article, um, not. Not a 5A sanctioned school, but Sage Ridge just built about a $10 million new gym. Um, So, I mean, we got a ton of stuff going on in northern Nevada. Brian Voiles, I can't say high enough words for the guy. He uh, did wonders at Galena, and I only can imagine what the Mustangs are going to look like. But like you said, we didn't have last year, so we're all kind of in the dark as far as what basketball is going to look like, whether it's
1: boys or girls. So excited for those those hoopsters, the wrestlers to get a chance to get on the mats again. It's going to be great this winter. Definitely is. Thank you so
0: much for the time, Lynn.
1: Michael, thank you.
0: We want to thank Lynn so much for that interview. As he writes a ton of articles for us, as we said earlier, just a tremendous person helping out Battleborn Preps, giving you guys an outlook on everything Demoni Ranch. And uh, as he mentioned The Reed Raiders are taking on the McQueen Lancers. Let's get over to our second interview of the podcast, Armand Bajwa, the quarterback who has done a little bit of everything this season. He gives us his take on what he's seeing this football season. I'm out here at Golden Eagle Sports Complex with Armand Bajwa, the quarterback of the Reed Raiders. And Armand, we have... A lot of great games all throughout the year but last year or last week round Reed versus Spanish Springs. It's always a great game, but just just talk about how that game felt and how it felt to get a win over Spanish Springs, something that is very tough to do. Yes sir, it was a big rivalry
2: game and it's always it's always a good week against them, it's always a close game and it just felt great to come out the way and finally show what we can do and just put everything together and
0: quarter now you guys kind of uh had a tough time getting it going in the beginning of the game offensively but your defense held strong and it was kind of one of those weird games where you just were you just were grinding it out and uh the clock was on your side and you guys just took every second you could and uh really helped you out so um what, what does it speak to your team that you guys can fight out and got out a victory like that Maybe not having a huge game.
2: Yes, sir. Um, our, defense is just, our defense came up big and shows we have heart. The whole team has heart and we're not going to stop even. We're down 17 7 in
0: fourth. Our defense keeps going and our offense, we're picking up things. We move the ball and we score touchdowns. Now, you've had games where you can throw it in the air for 300 yards and then you've had games where you'll throw 130 and run 180. Yeah. So, uh, what does it speak to? just your abilities and uh what you're trying to do as a quarterback because there's a lot of quarterbacks that once they once they go past their first progression they're running automatically but it seems like you're one of those quarterbacks that while you have the ability to run on the ground you want to try to get that yeah, in the air yeah um you know, coaches calls good play calls and i try progressions to make the reads and give to my playmakers so i try not to run when i you know
2: whenever i have the chance i try to give to my playmakers let them do the thing but yeah i'm I that I can do a lot on the ground too.
0: I think. So, yeah. Now, uh, a lot of teams want to get to where you guys are. You're playing the McQueen Lancers this week. You've got a tough task. You've got Ashton Hayes. You've got Trey Lagrone. You've got Robbie Snelling, and Jim Snelling is a he's a veteran coach for for uh, quite a while here in the North. What are you guys seeing in film that uh, may help, and what are you seeing that could be a little tougher on you guys this week?
2: You know, they're a great team. they got great players, obviously. But we should keep out with what we keep doing and, you know, just keep trying it out. Like, the coach has a great game plan always, and we should keep with that and just keep the ball moving. And our defense is stops.
0: so, yeah. Now, um... I said some of those playmakers you're talking about in Ashton Hayes, who had a bit of a tougher year last year, but this year is really gelling. Robbie Snelling's committed to play college baseball, but he is one heck of a runner. And the way I've described him before, he doesn't just, he's not that dual threat quarterback that's just prancing around. He's more of like a linebacker trying to bulldoze guys. Uh, how's your defense prepping for playmakers like that?
2: Uh, you know, they're, they're a tough group, and you know, they do good in the weight room. We do good scout, scout offense, and we just got to keep at it. And I have faith in my def- our defense, and I think they're going to do good.
0: You guys have a pretty awesome staff in the aspect of uh, Cam Emerson. It's a former quarterback at your program. Uh, Coach Hughes has been around. Um and you actually get to experience Coach Amentia as well. Um, what is it like, a, with this staff, and b, um, Coach Hughes uh, doing his thing?
2: Oh, it's amazing, Coach Cam, Coach Hughes, Coach Do, all of them. They're all great, and they just help us. They help put us in positions to win, and put us in positions to make big plays. Coach Hughes is play calling. Coach Cam's play calling. It's it's amazing. That's
0: that's what helps us move the ball. Okay, so we have a big game against McQueen. We hit on it a little bit. Everybody wants to win, but what do you think is your key to getting that victory? Uh,
2: we just got limit big plays from McQueen, and we got to keep it with the ball, keep the, keep the ball in our hands, and score points. Well, good
0: luck. Thank you. We want to thank Armand Bajwa so much for that interview. He gives us insight that not every person gives. Um, I mean, being a leader at Reed High School is a lot of pressure and especially being the quarterback of a program that is looking to contend in some of the games that they are playing. Um, You know, it's really a tremendous honor to see Armand Bajois just continue that great lineage of quarterbacks that have been at Reed High School um, all the way from Chris Den, Matt Den, Cam Emerson, just some phenomenal athletes over the years and uh, Armand Bajwa has for sure etched his name in those books as another great athlete for the Raiders. We're going to shift gears to the head coach of the Raider program, Garrett Hughes. He's been with the program for five years, but been head coach now for two years, and it has not been um, a normal two years, as last year we had the shortened-condensed season, and then this year... Uh, You're dealing with all the obstacles all the way from COVID to uh, different things. So let's go over to Coach Hughes. I'm here out at Eagle Valley with Coach Hughes. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, You guys played a phenomenal game last week, and it seems like every time you guys face the Cougars, it's a phenomenal game. But... uh, As I was telling Armand Bajwa, it was kind of one of those grinded out games. The offense, it took a little bit to click. And then once they were clicking, it kind of helped out when you got turnovers defensively. Special teams was clicking. Everybody was on the same track. But uh, what does it say when you're standing on the sidelines and you're looking at a team like that and and you just appreciate that your guys just had that never give up mentality, even when they were down at points?
3: Yeah, I mean... That's, that's just something we talk about a lot. I mean, it's something, you know, one of our core values as opposed to our locker room expecting attack adversity. Um, and we, you know, we go into every game talking about that, that, you know, we're expecting the other team to make some plays and some, you know, some, the ball not to bounce our way or get a penalty we don't like or whatever. And we just talk about, you know, what matters is how you handle that and, you know, Spanish Springs plays tough defense and especially against the run. And, you know, they have for multiple years and, you know, we didn't expect to go in and be breaking off, you know, huge runs left and right. We knew it was going to be a game where, you know, field position was a factor, special teams were a factor. And, and us, a big thing for us offensively was stay ahead of the chains and getting um, third down situations that we felt comfortable converting. And, and I think we were close to about 70% conversion on third downs. And a lot of that was that a lot of them were third and three, third and four. Um, but I wasn't, uh, I was really proud of them, but I wasn't surprised of how our kids responded to that stuff because we've been in a ton of close games and we've had a lot of things, um, you know, nobody can control, kind of go against us with the injuries and things like that. Um, We've just kind of gotten to where condition we conditioned to it and expect those things to happen. And, you know, we did, you know, give up a punt return for a touchdown and go down 10. And, you know, nobody really blinked. It was just keep doing what we're doing. Um, you know, we we're able to get some plays there at the end. You know, Armand kind of let us down on some drives and um, had some help from his teammates. And we we're able to get two touchdowns in the fourth to take the lead. Now, I know a lot of people want to talk about the quarterback
0: because it's one of the most important positions, but one of the biggest plays of the game for me, um, watching from the TV broadcast, Armand had a play late where he got the first down. A lot of kids in in high school would be excited, and they would just run out of bounds or just be excited there. He slid, stayed in bounds, and that basically killed the clock for the rest of the game. Um, you guys have a lot of tough physicals. Kids, but I mean, one thing that's really underrated—how smart your team plays. Uh, do you want to speak to that and just how that can, may be able to help you, not just uh, in previous games, but this upcoming game?
3: Right. I mean, and that's something um, that wasn't there at the beginning of the season. Uh, that's that's one of the things we talk about is being a disciplined team, and, and being as young as we are, you know, we knew we were going to have some plays, some bonehead plays here and there, and we've had them throughout the season. Um, but we're growing. That's what we talked about throughout the season was the goal is to improve every week and grow. And, you know, we're getting to the point where we're, we are becoming a disciplined team and and making the right decisions like, like that being one of them, him having the awareness to know to stay in bounds. Um, And and we still had some undisciplined plays in that game. So we're, we're definitely not peaked yet. Um, But we're seeing that growth week to week and, and we're seeing, um, not repeating mistakes so we're, we're making them but we're learning from them and, and growing in, in whatever that area was you know we had a play the first Spanish Springs game um, where our kick returner the ball's going to go out of bounds and he fields it and we get the ball at our own 5 instead of the 35 uh, but we've had 2 or 3 of those since then that he let him go out of bounds and that's what I told the coach I'm like well we're learning we're not repeating the mistakes and that's, that's the goal so um, I'm proud of our guys of, of continuing to improve um, week to week and, and never be complacent
0: Now, one thing we talked a little bit about earlier practice here is you guys had a huge senior class last year, uh, graduate, and uh, you guys have some guys in the freshman and sophomore levels coming up, but you guys started out with a smaller roster, Um, you had some guys come back from injury, you've got COVID you have to worry about. Um, Adversity-wise, how do you keep your players on track, not only from the COVID side of things, because... You know, every time they leave the house, that's a risk, and you never know what could happen. But not just every time you leave the house, but even on a normal year, you've got kids that are hanging out, doing stupid stuff, and you could easily break a foot, break a hand, break a leg. And there's just all these different factors as a head coach. You're thinking about your kids all the time. What do you do to prep your kids to be smart throughout the season to make sure you guys can do a playoff run like you are right
3: now? Well, it, it kind of builds from last year, honestly. I mean, last year, obviously, that was a scare, you know, having a positive COVID test. And, and we saw that throughout the year with multiple teams um, losing games due to that. And, um, you know, we talked a lot about it through that, through the course of the season. It's like, you know, those the opportunities to go hang out and, and do those things outside of football are going to be there when the season's over. You know you don't get these games back you don't get a do over you know if you lose some of those games and, and just kind of putting it to them that way and just to understand like you know you may have some other friends that don't play sports that are doing those things and and they don't have as much to lose um, from putting themselves at risk in that way um, as far as you know sports go but you know we could lose games and you don't want to be that guy that you know went to a party or, or did whatever And there's obviously there's people that, you know, obviously get the virus when they're not doing anything out of the norm, you know, could be at school or anything like that. But we just talk a lot about just making smart decisions and don't put yourself in any further risk than you have to.
0: Now, I'm not trying to give uh, Jim Schnelling or Ernie Howran any undue credit because they are phenomenal coaches here. But being head coaches and having their quarterbacks be their sons probably isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, To have that just knowledge of each other, understanding of each other, and just that, I, I mean, you're growing up together, obviously. Um, That's a close connection, but how do you feel that you and Armand are not maybe just as close, but just right at, under there because you've coached him, you know, his career here?
3: Yeah, no, I mean, we've, we've definitely got a good relationship, and theres he's hes really smart, and that's that's a big factor with him is he's got a high IQ, um, and he's able to take – film sessions or drill work and apply them to the game really really quickly more than most and he picks up on stuff really really quick and it's not a guy you have to tell something more than once and it sticks with him so you know there can be we've done things this season just because you know whatever the situation is that you know we may not have even talked about this season you know it may have been something from last season and i can you know, bring it up to him and he knows, he, he remembers it exactly what he's supposed to be doing. So he just retains information so well. Um, you know, like I said, we do have a lot of a good relationship, communicate a lot. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just his, his intelligence is a difference maker.
0: Now this question is kind of going to be able to more so praise your staff here. But one thing I love about Reed is you see the same coaches on the sideline dang near every year. And if you don't, they're coming from the program or good friends of the program and you guys are very consistent and that, that really, I'm sure helps with uh, developing a winning program. Uh, so, I mean, honestly, what, what do you love about your staff? You've been on staff now for two years as the head guy, uh, been here for five, but I mean, this is a great staff that stays together. You guys seem pretty tight. Uh, what do you love about your staff?
3: Well, we all understand that our goal is is growth week to week you know there's there's a lot of times we can get you know frustrated and kind of get down with with adversity that comes but you know we just got to remind ourselves of what we tell the kids you know expect it and attack it and you know we've had had some losses early in the season that you know we wish we could have had back but you know we kept the same mindset that it's about making sure we improve every single week and get us to the postseason hopefully you know, playing our best football, and, and we're getting close to that right now. So I'd say the biggest thing is that everybody just shares the same goals and, and mission is to make sure we're improving on the little things every single day. And like I said, you, we've got a lot of guys um, that have been here, you know, essentially as long as I have that that care about the program and understand the culture. Um, and, and some of the guys we've added in, you know, we've got some former. Um, Read guys on our staff that, that understand it and care about it a lot. And, and we've added a couple of new pieces that, that are getting on and, and understanding that too. So, no, I'm, I'm really happy with the group we have. And, you know, the key, you know, for anybody has been to keep that staff together. Um, and, and it's tough, you know, with, you know, there's not as many teachers that are coaches as it used to be. So it's finding guys that, you know, have the knowledge, have the time, and want to, you know, care about it enough to do it. Um, and I think we've been fortunate to have a couple of guys fall on our lap this year. Now,
0: you guys have a lot of good players, but sometimes not always the most recognizable guys and don't get all the press clippings that you see some other guys get. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to maybe shout out a couple to maybe five guys that you really love day in, day out, whether it be practice, whether it be game time, that you, you feel are kind of under, undervalued guys for you that you could really see contributing in this next game and beyond.
3: Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of guys um, our seniors that, that get a lot of notoriety, but, but there's some other guys that, that won't stand out to you. Um, Chris Negrete is one, Eric Tamayo is another, um, kids that play linebacker for us that are both you know younger guys, um, but they just got great habits. I mean, they're not the biggest guys, not the fastest guys, um, but they're really coachable, you know, do what they're you know, told to do. I mean, there's other guys like Colin Belton. Um, he's a guy you won't see show up on the stat sheet, but but he's out here every single day, just giving you absolute everything that he's got um, day-to-day. Remington-Webb's another guy like that, that that you may not ever see um, this season, so far this season, make a big play in a game, but does his job on special teams and and comes out and gives a great look if it's on scout team. Um, I mean, we've got a ton of guys that fall into that category. Um, You know, Aiden Flores is another guy that, you know, he's a guy you'd hear about. a two-way starter for us you know he's dealt with some injuries this year so you don't hear about it but just guys like him and and there's a ton that come out here just with a great attitude every single day and and just want to work and get better and do what it takes for the team
0: now you have faced mcqueen already this year and you know regardless of the result how do you get your guys to throw out that last game and say we're at a clean slate it's zero zero we need to go out there and we need to prove ourselves again
3: Right. well, we talked about it going into last week's game with Spanish Springs is, you know, we had a lot of things that, that we did really well in that first Spanish Springs game, and we just told them, like, look, you know, they're going to make adjustments. It, what, what happened in that first game is not necessarily what's going to happen in this one. Um, and it's the same thing with McQueen, and that's, that is what happened. You know, we had to make a lot of adjustments from what we did uh, in the first game because they made adjustments. Um, and, and we expect that in this McQueen game. There's, there's some things we did really well. Um, that I'm sure they're gonna plan on taking away and we're gonna have to adjust and, and find something to counteract that. Um, and, and, you know, our kids aren't, they're not, uh, that game doesn't weigh on them a ton. Um, it's a game they wanted to play. They wanted to get this match up again, because, you know, we, we did play a good game, but we felt like we left some plays out there and we've grown a lot since then, improved a lot since then. And, you know, they're the number one seed for a reason. Um, and we're going to go back to their place. Um, they've earned the right to host, and, you know, we're, we, we want that game. Our kids want that game, and we want they want to go out and show the improvement that we've made throughout the season.
0: Two last questions for you. Um, you're playing McQueen, as you said, the number one seed. What are you seeing that, um, you know, you, you want to capitalize on, and what are you seeing that, you know, you've been running up on your team and trying to get them to do better at practice this week?
3: Well, I mean, the the biggest thing with them is, you know, they got two guys or multiple guys, few guys on their offense that they can take it to the house at any time. And so it's, it's playing sound defense, doing our job, not trying to play what we call hero ball and doing, you know, making somebody else's play, just do your job. And and we've been doing a pretty good job with that as of late and, you know, take care of the ball, you know, we've got to do that. And and the thing that we've been really trying to improve on, and I said, I was happy about last week is, is our kicking game. you know, we went three for three on PATs, which I was really happy about because um, we've we've kind of had um, multiple kickers uh, throughout the season. You know, we lost our starter in the Douglas game. And so when we went into the McQueen game last time, it was a brand new kicker um, and he's improved a lot. Um, so, you know, that's something we've been trying to tighten up. So, you know, the big thing is just Let's eliminate the big mistakes and we, we still had some in the Spanish Springs game last week and and that's what we're, we're trying to eliminate and, act, and become that team that's really disciplined now last question here I you
0: seem like a really leveled guy it's your second year being the head coach here you're facing Jim Schenelling who's been at McQueen what seems like forever how do you stay so leveled and calm in what is going to be a huge game that not a lot of second year head coaches get to
3: well, I mean, I, I try to practice what I preach and that's, you know, keep your composure and, and expect an attack and adversity. It's like I keep saying that because we tell it the kids every day is there's going to be things that happen in the game that, you know, make me want to pull my hair out, but that's, that's life. I mean, there's stuff that happens you can't control and, you know, you can just worry about your reaction to it. And I know that... Um, the kids usually go as the coach goes, you know if I were to if I lose my cool and kind of come unglued on a call I don't like or something, then they look at that as an excuse to do the same thing, so I try to lead by example with that and straight stay as calm as possible and there's times that I don't do great with that, but I think the kids see that and they respond to it and um even even times you know we'll we've had some times where I did lose my cool. And the kids are the ones that try to calm everybody down. You know, they see that they need to step up in that moment. So it's really about, you know, practicing what I preach and, um, you know, control what we control, and we're going to go out and do the best we can do. And, and I try to keep that mindset going in, you know, regardless of how much experience I have versus the other coach. It's just prepare our kids the best of our ability and and coach the best game we can and, and do, do our best and control what we can control. Well, thank you for your time, Coach. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: We appreciate Coach Hughes, Armand Bajwa, Lynn Alt, all three people that had very unique perspectives on what we're going to see here in Northern Nevada Athletics this Friday. Now, this Friday, if you're asking predictions, I am going to make my predictions right now before we close out this podcast. That is longer than usual, but we appreciate you staying through it, and uh, we promise to continue getting you good guests if we're going to keep it at this length. So, my predictions for this week. I have the McQueen Lancers edging out the Reed Raiders. I gotta give it to the Lancers. They just are very dynamic when it comes to their running back quarterback. They have a lot of skill players. I love what Reed is doing But I just have a tough time when it comes to a game like Spanish Springs three, four weeks ago, and then you're playing Spanish Springs again. You're playing all these tough, tight games, and yes, it battle tests you as a program, but I just don't know. Um, Jim Schnelling's been at this one a long time. Ashton Hayes has put out some good performances, I'm going to give the Lancers a win, 35-32. I think it's a last-second field goal. I truly could see it going the other way, but I think it is. Um, it, it really is a coin flip game. Um, i got to give McQueen the edge with just a little bit more experience um, on the coaching side and Ashton and Robbie being that two-headed monster on the running attack. For the Damani Ranch mustang Bishop Oak Minor game, which will be our hashtag battle of the week, um, we will be tweeting out from DJ Bernardus Field at Bishop Oak's campus. We have seen this matchup. I, I feel like every year it gets just, I wouldn't say better, but it changes very much so. So Damani Ranch did lose the first time around. Um, Lynn Ault was very confident in the Mustangs coming back and uh, getting a win this time. I just really love what I have seen out of Joe Hill. Um, I love that Logan Howren has gotten better each week. Um, I wonder if there is some fatigue coming out of the Mustangs. I mean, when you play a team this many times... Um, it, it, it gets tough, and it's, and it's hard to start um, sprinkling in some new plays, some new uh, schemes when you play a team this often because, I mean, you can only change it up so many times. I'm going to give the Miners the win again here. Um, I'm going to go 45-42, very similar to uh, what we saw when Ernie Howren coached Reed versus Damani Ranch a number of years ago, just one of those shootout games. I think the Mustangs make it a lot more competitive, but I still think the Miners, at the end of the day, get it done. I'm going to give it a 45-42 score. Thank you guys so much for listening, and you guys have a great day, and enjoy Friday Night Lights.